Welcome, everyone, to Kids A to Z with Dr. T. I'm your host, Teresa Signorelli, and we are bringing you information about the five areas of child development. And by that, we mean physical, intellectual, social, emotional, emotional, and moral, so parents can empower their children to thrive. Well, today we have a Brains and Toyland segment that regards water safety for young children and also the benefits that swimming has for the developing child. We have as our guest Dr. Lorreen Janowski, and she is a lifeguard and water safety instructor, but she's also an advanced clinician of occupational therapy in the pediatric program at the Hospital for Special Surgery in New York City. So welcome, Dr. Lorreen. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Great. So before we get into our topic, can you talk to us a little bit, just briefly, about who you are and what you do? So as Dr. T had mentioned, I am an occupational therapist, and I actually, prior to becoming an an occupational therapist, also called an OT, I worked as a lifeguard and a swimming instructor when I was was beginning in college. And I saw how children learn and how they develop and how important it was to kind of blend the two together and to help to use water safety skills and swimming as an adjunct into learning and um, really developing themselves into a safe into a more safe environment and doing things that they could do in the water. So I work in the pediatric rehab department, and as an occupational therapist, I work with children and their families, um, helping improve the quality of life and function, especially with children with cerebral palsy and sensory processing disorder. So aquatic therapy has been really important for them, as well as typically developing children. So it's just a, a real nice blend of working with children and helping them with water safety skills as as well as learning to learning how to swim. Right. And one of the one of the things that I like to do on the program is bring in experts in specific disciplines. And so what I like about occupational therapy is your knowledge of motor and sensory development. Can you briefly tell our audience um, what that means. And and part of why I want to do this is, again, as you had mentioned, you're in a, um, in a rehab setting, but occupational therapists and other allied health professionals have so much information that could help all parents. And so that's not just children who have developmental delays. So that's why I think it's important that the audience know about your expertise. Yes. So so swimming really promotes so many so many important things for children as well as adults. Um, but first and foremost, just having a balanced lifestyle. Um, you know, swimming is great, a great physical exercise. But there are, from a sensory perspective and from a motor developmental standpoint, it is very important. You know, there are children that have ADHD, and Michael Phelps actually was one of those kids. And he, if you read some of the um, some of the articles that he wrote, swimming back and forth helped him kind of calm himself down and keep him focused and structured. So from a sensory standpoint, just doing things to help calm yourself and getting that physical, those motor skills, alternating arm and head movements um, as well as leg movements are critical when you're talking about motor development. And even something as simple as swimming on a swim team or learning how to swim in a lap lane is important because it teaches you body awareness. It teaches you where you are in space, where you are in the water. Um, Critical for for a lot of skills that you can use not only in the pool but also in land as well. And it does carry over. When I work with typically developing kids or children that have motor and sensory issues, those skills are important to work on, and we can do that so easily in the water. 
Okay, so, but just, um, if you can just review uh, briefly what an occupational therapist knows in terms, or maybe what sense, what we mean when we say sensory, and what we mean when we mean motor, and, and what's the occupational therapist's expertise in these two areas? So the, the occupational therapist, from a motor standpoint, is we know developmental motor skills, when they're, what takes place at what time. So, for example, teaching a child to sit up without assistance, teaching them how to walk, teaching how to get into different planes of movement, we help with their motor skills. So when you think of being in the water, how that can facilitate uh, some of those learning skills. From a sensory standpoint, our sensory system is how we interpret information from our environment. So, for example, you hear something outside in the community or you hear a loud siren, you know to instinctually step back and to get away. It's how you interpret your environment and how you can use that information to do to go about your everyday life. So when we think from a sensory standpoint in the pool, we think of body awareness. We also think of the tactile input into our skin from the pool. And the properties of the water help a child to better develop their sensory, that their sensory environment and their sensory skills. All right, super. So we're talking about water safety and also the benefits that swimming has on young children and, and their development. And again, in terms of young children, we're talking um, under the age of five years. So let's first talk about water safety. And what is it, as a water safety professional, that you wish parents knew but often don't? Well, so from a safety perspective, actually in this standpoint, I'm going to take my, my occupational therapy hat off for a minute and just talk about specifically about the safety. And that before you – before the most important part of this lecture is really the safety aspect of it, making sure that families and parents know that it can only take a couple of seconds for – something catastrophic to happen. It really just takes a couple seconds. You know, each day in the U.S., nine people drown, um, which is quite high, including children and adults. Right now, according to the Center for Disease and Prevention, drowning is still one of the lead cause of deaths today in the U.S., and it's, it's increased, especially during warmer summer months where, um, where people have more exposure to the pools and, and to the water. The American Red Cross says that children under five represent 76% of drownings in pools, um, and more so with minorities, with uh, children and adults that are not necessarily from, that are from poor socioeconomic backgrounds that don't have the opportunities to learn how to swim, or also that can be coming from countries that are not, that are landlocked and they don't have access. So it's really important that we educate our families um, about the high risk for drowning, and especially people that don't have the opportunities that uh, where they can take swimming lessons. Um, you know, it's the reason why this is so important to me is when I was a young kid, I struggled with swimming. My my mom had taken me to many group classes, and it wasn't until I became a little bit older that I took some individual private lessons in conjunction with uh, group lessons, and it really made all the difference. You really have to know your child. Do they do better in a group environment or a private environment? Many classes right now are overcrowded with, with many kids to one instructor, and it's just important that they get the support that they need because the summer months, it's a, the pool is a wonderful place for children to have fun, to cool off, to spend time with their friends. You know, we talked about motor development and, and from a sensory standpoint, but also social development. The pool can really 
um, bring about social development and even increase a child's speech ability and their ability to interact with their peers, as well as getting the health benefits of exercise. So it's, uh, and, and what we talked about before with our sensory system is helping regulate that um, as well. So my most important thing is it can take only a couple of seconds. Um, you know, we, as a lifeguard and as a swimming instructor, we had a few definitions of a distressed swimmer, an active swimmer, and a, and a passive drowner. So a distressed swimmer, we as a parent or as, you know, just people in the community, they, you may not even tell if someone needs help. A distressed swimmer is a beginner swimmer. They're tired. They're weak. Um, it can lead to drowning, but you can't always tell that that person needs help. An active drowner is somebody who who is so can be under the water that they have a hard time yelling out or calling for help. They can't get enough air. And then a passive drowner, by that point, it, it, it's getting late. They are losing oxygen. They they can have their face down and they can be silent. So understanding a distressed swimmer, an active drowner, and a passive drowner is important in order to get that person uh, help. So my key right. point so is those, here that it really only takes a couple. It only takes a couple of seconds. Right. That's what I was going to say. That that it only takes a few seconds. So really, always to be vigilant, always to be watching. So let's then talk about maybe some basic safety tips um, for water play and. Things maybe like a lifeguard, a buddy, adults. What can you say about that? Yeah, so the the basic tips, and I have a couple here, and I'll go into a little bit more detail later of what the American Red Cross says. But my big thing, especially for kids five and under, but also kids that are older, you know, we we call it diving when you go into your into the pool head first. Any time a kid goes into the pool head first, you want to make sure that the water that they're in is over nine feet and that you can visibly see the bottom of the pool. Anything where you can't see the bottom of the pool, such as a lake or an ocean, I would be very hesitant into diving unless you know for sure the depth of that pool. You know, many public pools have taken out diving boards, especially the high diving boards, and substituted them for slides because of going headfirst and how, if they're not properly trained, can cause uh, serious damage. Um, talking to staying on the topic with diving, uh, making, sh- you know, if you go to a specific water safety instructor, they will teach diving in steps. So making sure that a child is comfortable doing the steps of diving, such as the sitting dive, the kneeling dive, doing a stride, which one leg is bent, one leg is straight, and then doing eventually doing a standing dive. So really learning the proper steps before entering the water head first. Also wearing a life jacket is key, especially if you're in a pool, a lake, or a river, and especially when you're in a more Mother Nature type of environment, such as a lake and a river, making sure that you have access to a flotation device such as a life jacket and that, and that it's properly put on. The buddy system is also really important. Having many camps have this and pools have this where two people working together are responsible for each other's safety and making sure that if they don't, if if somebody is in distress, that they get the appropriate adult uh, close by them. Also being aware of swimming in, in very crowded pools. You know, in my lifeguard days as a, as a lifeguard, as a young lifeguard, you're taught surveillance and scanning skills of looking to the left and to the right. 
But those lifeguards can get tired. It's very hot out, and there's so many things to look at. So when you're in a very crowded pool, there are so many things that can happen that that you may not even see. So if your child is a new beginner, novice swimmer, I really would try to avoid large, overcrowded pools until they become more comfortable. Also being aware of large pool toys, especially large float-up devices, uh, those big animals or, you know, the whales, Kids can get stuck underneath them, and again, when they're so big, you may not be able to see the child that's stuck under the water, or even something like stairs or the side of a pool where a child can get caught or their article of clothing, their their bathing suit can get caught. You just want to look for those areas. Also, teaching children to learn how to breathe, and when they're in distress, teaching them how to float on their tummy, looking up at the sky is another way of giving that child a couple more seconds before help gets to them. Floating on their back Maureen, is really good. Let me, jump in there. let me jump in for a second. So you said on their stomachs looking at that tummies looking at the sky. Can you clarify that? Yes. I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I meant to be on, on your back. So, you know, tummy would be looking down at the, at the pool floor, but looking on their, floating on their back, looking up at the sky is, is floating on your back is a safety skill and buys you some time before somebody comes to rescue you. Great. Yeah. Also, something as simple as no running on the pool deck. You slide, you run, falling into the pool is a big thing. When I used to lifeguard, we would educate families and uh, let kids know. Um, and then just the other thing is when even when jumping into a pool or entering and exiting the pool, making sure that no one's in your way. It's, it sounds like such a simple thing, but when kids jump on other kids not seeing where they are or not knowing where their body is in space, um, that can be very, very dangerous, leading to... It's serious enough, any type of spinal cord injury. Right. And children, especially younger children, can't perceive everything that's going on around them. So especially in an environment like a pool or a lake or some body of water, having adults help them be vigilant and and be aware of what's going on could be helpful. Right, exactly. Right. So can we talk maybe about, other ways to be safe around the water, and like sunscreen and bathing caps and bo- uh, goggles. Yes. Are so, we ready to and talk those about are, that, or do you have anything yes. else to add from the previous question? We can talk. I mean, they all—they're all extremely important, and you, you kind of people can sometimes when you think about the pool and you think about learning how to swim, you can forget about the other necessities. Sunscreen is a very important thing, um, especially if you have. If you're recovering from a any type of injury where there's scars, you want to make sure that that area stays it has the appropriate sunscreen on it um, for the for the maintenance of skin integrity. But applying sunscreen before entering the pool to prevent sunburn is important, um, and then making sure that you reapply it every time the child comes out of the pool. Um, also. Uh, making sure that wearing goggles is important so that the child can see where they're going, especially if it's if you're in a in an area where such as a lake where it's more murky and you have a hard time seeing wearing protective goggles uh, is important and even a bathing cap can when a child is learning how to breathe by wearing a bathing cap, especially more for females for young girls that have longer hair. Wearing a bathing cap and keeping the hair out of their face can really help a child learn how to turn their head and to breathe to the side. So many kids, especially when they get scared, will 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 look down at the the bottom of the pool and look up, 
So they're breathing like they're saying yes. But the proper breathing for swimming is really turning your head to the side like you're saying no. And what happens is when you're turning your head to the side, saying no, breathing to the side, it affects your body position in the water. It makes you more streamlined. But when you're you're saying yes in the water and the child is looking straight ahead, what's happening is their legs start to sink. So they're more vertical in a vertical position, which makes it harder for them to swim and to propel themselves forward. So something like goggles and a bathing cap can can really influence how can influence how a child is uh, learning how to swim, and also if they're in an emergency where they need to keep their body above water, um, you know, making sure that that's in place. The other right, thing. So they're- is, they they're truly helpful. It's not just for style that there's um the mechanics that um behind it that are really helpful. Exactly. And, and you know, you can't, we can forget about that. The, but the mechanics are it really does play a part in the the quality and the of of learning how to do the stroke. Now the other thing that's also good to remember is a wetsuit or a rash guard can also help keep away the sun and protect the skin. But what's also nice about a wetsuit, and we can talk about it in a little bit too, is that it also helps with buoyancy in the water. So it helps it helps the child stay afloat easier and they don't have to work as hard. And from a sensory perspective, when we were talking about sensory before, what OT specializes with motor development and sensory development, that, that wetsuit, most of them are na- made of neoprene, and they provide a lot of tactile, so tactile is skin touch and proprioception is where your body is in space and how you relate to where your body is in space. So it gives you more of an awareness of where you are. So it gives you a little bit of input and it kind of helps you, oh, I know where my legs are, I know where my arms are, which is very important for kids, especially children that are very, um, they're, they're under-reactors, meaning they need a lot of, they need a lot of input. Um, so it's very helpful for them, similar to what special some of our kids that when they wear special vests like a neoprene vest or spio, it also gives them more awareness of where their joints are and where their bodies are in space. And when we say the water, we mean more in the water, but where their body is in relationship to to the other parts of their body, and it really does help um, with overall development and, and learning. But so the the um, the wetsuit is a good thing to have besides the sunscreen and the goggles. So, Right. And what about other accessories like floaties or those water wings, some kind of inflatable things you see children wearing on their arms, sometimes across their chest and back? Yeah. What's your perspective on these? And, you know, there are pros and cons. I, I through high school and college, was a lifeguard myself, and I have mixed emotions about these um <laughs> these devices. Can, why don't you, as the present um, expert, talk to us about what you think of these? And I totally agree with you that there are there's pros and cons of everything. And you can have so many different water instructors say, this is good, this is not good. And it's interesting because when I first when I first started teaching swimming lessons many, many years ago, I was very much against floaties and water wings. And I still, again, the pros and cons, I still don't completely want them, but the pros about them, we'll go through the pros and we'll say the positives and the negatives. The pros are that they give a child, especially a hesitant child in the water that's still very scared and temperamental, it gives them more independence 
in exploring. So the water wings go around their arms. They're inflated. They're inflated. You can inflate them and deflate them. And they're usually orange, I would say, is the most common color because it stands out more in the water. So it gives them a sense of independence um, and knowing they can also, when you're working also with a child with special needs, by giving them that support, you can work on legs. You can work on things with their legs and you can work on other things if they're staying afloat with that. Um, if they do need to be supervised with that on, but that's a positive way of looking at it in a sense that the parent or the caregiver does need to be right there, but they can move around on their own in the water would be my pro. Those are the pros. The other the other pros about it, if I'm working with a, a special needs child or someone that needs more support, I can actually get certain arm movements that I'm trying to facilitate um, a child with cerebral palsy to keep their elbow straight, I can put them in the elbows and get more elbow extension, which is straightening out the arms. So from a therapy standpoint, if I'm really working on certain skills, those water rings and those floaties can be helpful. But the cons of it are that, first of all, many times people will put them on their child and will think that that's kind of foolproof and that, that that they're fine on their own. So definitely they always need to be supervised. They Because they're inflatable, you pop it, you might not even know that there's a slow hiss or that the air is being deflated, and it can really deflate pretty quickly. They can also slide on and off quickly, which is not always a good thing. Um, they also, if they're really inflated too much, they can stop circulation in that in those in the arm if they're not put on properly. We talked about you know giving a child a false sense of security because many times if if kids just wear that in the water and they jump in one day thinking that they're on or that they were able to swim without them, it, it gives them a false sense of security. But the other thing is that when when we talked about before of learning how to breathe and breathing to the side, you know learning how to breathe the right way is turning your head to the side and learning how to breathe incorrectly is lifting your head up and down like you're saying yes excuse me, like you're saying no, is breathing incorrectly. When you think of a child with water wings, they're in a vertical position. So they're doing exactly what we don't want them to do. Their legs are down, and that's not how you swim. So legs vertical, head up out of the water, that's kind of promoting that yes position of picking your head up and down as opposed to face down the water, turning your head to the side, saying no is the proper way of breathing. So it puts them in a very bad position for them to be learning how to, to swim and to stay buoyant on top of the water. Right. I I personally do like to use kickboards and noodles. Kickboards help a child get into that prone position, laying on their tummy, holding onto a kickboard. Also, noodles are great because can, they can work on their sense of balance on the noodle and, and kind of knowing where they are in um, in space in the water. But again, there's pros and cons of each of those things. And the bottom line is like what we said before, it only takes a few seconds and the child does need to be supervised by a parent or a lifeguard. Right, right. And so good. So there's, again, pros and cons to everything and um, always being on top and of your child and supervising is really right. so important. So right. let's talk about making children even more independent or perhaps better swimmers with lessons. What can you talk to us about maybe the best age to start and maybe who is really the best person to give swimming lessons and why? Okay, so, you know, many pools have 
lifeguards, abundant with lifeguards, and some of them are allowed to do private swimming lessons. I really do recommend private swimming lessons. I do like group lessons as well, but I really truly think a child needs to learn how to swim. A group class, for the most for the most part, does not cut it. So you can ask some of the local lifeguards, if it's a country club, a public pool, a private pool, um, to give swimming lessons. But the the real gold standard, though, is is people that have that extra training, which is called a water safety instructor, WSI. So it's a step up from a lifeguard, and they have special training from the American Red Cross in how to teach um, children and adults. You know, don't forget adults as well how to swim. There are many adults, especially in New York City, that um, that don't know how to swim. But the American Red Cross, you can contact them at one eight hundred Red Cross. They, their website is www.redcross.org, and there is a swimming corner um, that provides valuable information. But I would really try to have an instructor that has a WSI certification. Yeah, I'm going to jump in there for one second, Maureen. I, I agree completely. I was a water safety instructor and a county lifeguard back in the day, and the WSI, that water safety instructor, that really does make a difference. And for the audience, if you're interested, on the show site for tonight's um, episode where it says water safety instructor on the um, show description, if you click on that, that will bring you right to the Red Cross. So that information is there too. But, it's um, a great but website. Yeah, so thank you. Yeah, it really and is. There's so much. Yeah, it's it's a it's they've been doing this for quite a while, and they're they're really they make sure that their staff is trained correctly. And just to educate the families out there that how they how they the, the water safety instructors are trained, and there's certain there's three main groups of swimming lessons, and I'll go through each of them so that you're familiar with what's available. And this is also on their website, but. They, we, the American Red Cross and myself, I also recommend a child and a parent should get into the water six to three years of age, really work on that exploration uh, piece of it, even younger than six months, but really to become involved and, and to start doing it even when the child is taking a bath, sprinkling water over oh, their head. Laureen, Laureen, let me jump in for a second. You said six to three years. Do you mean three to six months? I'm sorry, six months to three years of age. Okay, six months to three years of age is water exploration with with parents? Yes. Great. With the parent and the child. And the American Red Cross has classes, as well as a lot of community centers that have pools as well. They may not always be approved by the Red Cross or sponsored by them, but you can look into their programs. But the American Red Cross, from six months to three years old, is called the Parent and Child Swim Session they they majority they majority run about seven to ten sessions each lasting for about thirty minutes and that's a nice amount of time when you're dealing with a young child to get them exposed but not to overdo it so that they don't they start not liking it um, there's right. two levels basically with the parent and the child the level one is very fun very basic you're blowing bubbles you're splashing the water it's also a great time for especially for parents that are very busy during the week or if, or if mom's home and dad's working or vice versa, dad's working and and mom's working and dad's at home, to spend time with their child in a one-on-one situation with, with another instructor where 
this is their time. This is also a great way of of getting that eye contact, that face to face time. And really, it's it's a very intimate experience being with your young child in the water. It's it's that tactile, that touch. It's a really nice way to bond with your child, especially for the parent that may have such a busy work schedule and just this may be a nice opportunity. So the level one, we talked about that fun, basic, bubble-blowing, some using some toys, and then level two for the parent and child is just basic floating and kicking on their front, on their back. Some kids don't like going on their stomach or on their back, similar to a young child not wanting to do tummy time, spending time on their tummy. So working on their vestibular system as an OT, having their head up in the air and then having their face down in the water. And also very, very important at this young age is teaching a child how to get in and especially out of the pool. That is very important. Uh, the next grouping uh, for the American Red Cross they recommend is preschool from ages four to five years of age. And their sessions run about eight to ten sessions. And the sessions are a little longer from 30 to 45 minutes. They teach water safety survival, and then swimming foundations, but making it safe and fun because you're dealing with four- to five-year-olds. And they have level one, level two, level three. Level one is getting a child more comfortable in the water, basic water safety. Level two is starting to do those fundamental skills such as kicking. And level three is getting there, coordinating their arm and their leg movements. And we talked about motor development before. From an age from four to five years old, coordinating arm and leg movements is so important for the skills that they're that they're doing with their peers in the playground and gym class. You think of how such a great opportunity it is to work together with your arms and legs and figure out what needs to move, what needs to stay still, and you're teaching that, them this in these swimming lessons. So it, it, it's such a great swimming is really one of the best things you can do for all types of children. And then the last grouping is is learning to swim, and they, this starts at six years of age. And it can go up until the level that they that the child graduates from. So there are six levels. Um, the sessions are about eight to ten sessions from 30 to 45 minutes. There's an introduction into water skills, learning the fundamental aquatic skills, stroke development, then stroke improvement, then stroke refinement, and then swimming and skill proficiency, which is the highest level. And uh, after swimming and skill proficiency is when they would become a junior, they would uh, they would work on becoming a junior lifeguard. Right. So they, and and one of the things I was going to say, I remember from my days that every time you finished a level, you got a little card. Um, right. Saying that you're, and so I know for me, I remember beginner, advanced beginner, intermediate, swimmer, et cetera. Uh, for me, it was such a thrill and a, a sense of accomplishment to have taken those courses and pass the tests and get your little Red Cross card. So you were talking before about the social-emotional bonds that children can develop with their parents. I think that's another aspect of it, too, in terms of social-emotional and emotional development, that sense of accomplishment, too, that kids could get going through a a program like the Red Cross Swimming Program. Yeah, that, that really is so true because it starts at such a young age, but, you know, it's Swimming is such a good example of that social emotional development. Even just giving yourself, it's such. When you look at swimmers, you, they're very disciplined. It's it's a great way to help dis- working on discipline and, and knowing what your limits are and striving 
to get even better. It's sports in general are like that, but in particular swimming can have some nice rewards if you work hard in meeting all of the levels. But that being said, you know, if depending on the type of learner also that your child is, not passing those levels, that's when it's it's also important to do that one-on-one that we spoke about because the group those group classes can be very large and you know, I remember when I was a child I I was this tall, lanky girl. I was very skinny, and I used to – it was so cold. Like, it would be so hard to be in a big class. There was one instructor, maybe there were two, and I just remember being, like, freezing, and only not until I got that one-on-one individualized attention, and then I also did the group, was when I started to really take off with swimming. So just know what kind of learner your child is to get them the support that they need. Right. So what about when kids have bumps and bruises? Summer is such an active time, and I remember one summer having stitches and I couldn't go in the pool, and I see kids in casts every now and again. So what options do parents have when their kids um, are in these situations with stitches or casts and they really can't go in the water? And and that's a great question, and and that's – um, especially working in an orthopedic hospital, it's something that is kind of individual to the child as well as the as the orthopedic surgeon. There are water casts that you can specifically ask your physician about, um, depending on if it's a if it's a serious fracture and there's only a certain type of cast that can be used. Um, and, and a regular cast cannot. It's important to know a regular cast cannot get wet because of infection and um, can really lead to other problems. But there are specific water casts, but you want to check with your physician to see if that's appropriate for the child, depending on the type of fracture that they have in their arm or in their leg. But just once that cast does come off and they are able to swim, please keep in mind one of the, the doctors, I, one of the surgeons I work with is very adamant about making sure that that incision scar stays out of the sun as well. Right. Right. You know, just something I just wanted to touch base about before was besides the American Red Cross, there are New York City swim programs. At If you go to www.nycgovparks.org, New York City has great uh, uh, public pools available, but they also offer free classes. There's lottery. There's a lottery system for for the classes, but they're offered for tots, children, and then also adults. So it's a, it's a great opportunity. It is lottery, so you, you may not get your first choice. But just to know that New York City offers these free classes, it, it's, it's a really a wonderful opportunity that many people take advantage of, but that I'd like to see more people taking advantage of. Yeah, that's a really good point, and and I'm I would imagine that people who don't live in New York City, whatever your municipality is, that there are likely similar programs in your hometown or your your city. So that's a really good point to look and see what other programs there are available. Because I imagine right. there, there there must be. Yeah, that's a great yeah. point. So yeah. can we talk a little bit about just the general benefits of swimming on child development? And we did talk about this. Um, periodically as we went through our talk today, but is there anything um, maybe that really stands out? What do you wish parents knew about the benefits of swimming on child development? Maybe we could recap that briefly for everybody. Sure. Well, like I said, there's there's no better to me sport or any type of other activity that a child 
can do from a from a from a developmental standpoint. I tell the children that I work with that are very physically involved. I tell the children that have a lot of sensory processing issues, and I tell my typically developing kids, the parents, that swimming is such a lifelong skill that you can learn now and that you can do it until you're 100 years old if you're physically able to. Not many sports you can do until you're 100 years old. But the benefit of child development is, like what we spoke about from a motoric standpoint, the different parts of your body that you're moving Figuring out, we call it dissociation, when one body part does one thing and another body part does the other thing. You think of a good example of, of when you're walking. You know, your one leg is doing something different than the other leg. When you're swimming, one arm is in front, one arm is, in behi- is behind when you're doing a front crawl or, or freestyle. So those are really important for your brain. You're working the left and the right sides of your brain, and it's also the rhythm and the coordination, and then also the time, the timing, which is a part of the rhythm. When you think of children that have a hard time with auditory processing or even learning dance moves, that processing ability and and being able to do one thing at a certain time, that's basically what swimming is. So it's it's it really it helps with that motor development. Um, even something like rolling, teaching a child that safety skill we talked about, rolling onto their back and looking up at the sky, that rolling also incorporates their head has to move, they're working on their vestibular system where their eyes are um, in relationship to their body, and just figuring out how to move your body in a different medium than walking on land is is education in itself. Um, even as well right. as learning how to breathe, you know, breathing in the water is, is key as well, and, and learning the breathing through your nose, through your mouth, and just that that rhythm and that coordination, uh, which is 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 very beneficial. You, you know, we when we work with children that are more physically involved, we look at timing as an issue. Children that have cerebral palsy, they have a hard time sometimes shutting off muscle groups, and they all work together. This is a really nice example of swimming of how you can turn off certain muscle groups and then turn on other ones, and and the timing and the sequencing of moving. Great, great. So let's talk a little bit about, we had mentioned that you work here in New York City, um, and I don't know if we mentioned the name of the hospital, but you're at the Hospital for Special Surgery, which really is a a wonderfully well-known and reputable hospital here. Can you talk to us maybe a little bit about your program at the hospital or maybe any other projects you're involved in that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, sure. So we do have um, we do have a therapist that works in our sports center, um, working with children in the pool, um, doing aquatic therapy. And there are some kids that are more physically involved, and some kids are more less physically involved. Um, it's a pretty small program. Program. You know, we we primarily here focus on land-based therapy. So the majority, in fact, ninety-nine percent of our of our practice here is outpatient physical occupational and speech therapy. So, but that being said, doing doing um water-based therapy in conjunction with land-based therapy is very important. There is a group of there is actually an organization it's called Angelfish Therapy and they are based out of Connecticut. We do they do have areas that where they work in in Massachusetts as well as New York City. Uh, that also provide, besides working with children with with special needs, they also have what's called a swim whisperers program, 
and their website is www.angelfishtherapy.com. They have it's a great website, some videos and some tips of of working with children um, and helping them succeed in the pool. But our, primarily our program here is on a smaller scale, and um, it's, we, we work with children that have therapy here for land um, and then do some aquatic therapy sessions as well. Super. And what I did also for anyone who's interested, I have, if you click on the description for the show, there's a hospital for special surgery. I have a link that will bring you right to that main site. And then there's also, if you click on the text that talks about the pediatric rehabilitation program, that will go right to Lorene's department. So that information is available to families if they're interested to learn more about that as well. Okay. So um, is there anything else that you'd like to share before we go on to our five fantastic facts for families? Yeah, it just, you know, just I can't stress enough about that. We started off saying about the, you know, it just takes a couple seconds. So, you know, the American Red Cross does educate us about making sure that you're swimming in designated areas, you're swimming with the buddy, you have proper swim lessons and life jackets. And also for people that have uh, that have a pool, let's say if they don't live in New York City, they live in suburbia, making sure that you have a barrier around your pool or even your hot tub. You know, we forget about hot tubs and jacuzzis, how they can be just as dangerous for a pool if a kid can climb up uh, into that area. And making sure that you have that the, the barrier around it with with alarms. In some counties, it's actually a law that there have there has to be a certain height fence around the pool, around the backyard, as well as an, a, an alarm that makes a loud sound uh, to to uh, alarm when a child is is or, or some object is in the pool. But but especially, you think about kids with children with autism, and. Children with autism, my experience with working with these children in the water is that they love the water. And if you do have a child with autism, I would I would really invest my time into getting them swimming lessons or, or aquatic therapy by a, a therapist, an OT, a PT. Because children with autism, what I found is they are drawn to the water because of because of the the way it glistens on, in the sun or even indoors, and it's such it's so it's such a therapeutic thing, and that they know is going to be good for them. If, but if they don't have the proper knowing how to swim, it can be an out. It can be a big, big disaster. There have been many stories of children with autism that have wandered off into pools, and the outcome was not a positive one. So it's just because they're so physically attracted by the, the look of the water, the, the glistening effect, please just be extra vigilant to, uh, to those children and really spend time, invest time, resources into to helping children with autism learn how to swim. The other thing, okay. though, about that, and one more sure. thing about that is even toys in the pool, especially toys that are very inviting to all types of children, can also bring a child over to the pool and have very negative consequences. So keeping toys out of the pool when the pool is out, when the pool is when no one's in there, so that you're not enticing a child unsafely into the water. Right, right. That that's all excellent, excellent, important advice. So I guess my next question is, was that just final comments 
or extra comments, or were, were those your five fantastic facts for family? Um, I do have a couple. I have some more. <laughs> it just it, this is so important. <laughs> I would say my five my five most important things. Number one, and we talked about this in the beginning, is learning the warning signs of a drowning victim. It only takes a couple of seconds. Making sure your child is comfortable in the water. Make swimming a priority. And also make pool time a positive experience. Teach children how to learn how to blow bubbles so that they're breathing. If they're in a situation, they can breathe before they get help. By taking swimming lessons, teach them how to float on their on their back and also on their tummy. Being able to tread water so they can they can safely get to the side and knowing, teaching them, especially at the very beginning, teaching them how to get into and especially out of the wall, out of the water, swimming to the wall so that they can at least get there for safety and for help. Right. Great. Yeah, it, it, it is such an important topic, uh, partly because of the, uh, the very small window for error. Uh, like you yes. have said a number of times, it's it's seconds and probably even nanoseconds. So it's it, in a, in a heartbeat, in the blink of an eye. So really, to be on top of it, it is so important. And there is so much to talk about. And then on the other hand, too, we are in the middle of swim season, and so it's a really important topic to be talking about right now, too. So I'm hoping that the information that we provided for families is is really helpful. And and um, so with that, what I want to do is um, welcome or welcome, thank everybody <laughs> for listening in. That's our show for today. And I especially want to thank LifeGuard and occupational therapist Dr. Lorene Janowski for lending us her time and her expertise and reminding everyone that I have the link to her hospital, to the Red Cross, and some other information there on the description for the show for today. I want to thank our guests for tuning in. And as always, we invite everybody to email us at the show with questions, with suggestions for comments, and, of course, always your feedback. And you can email us at info at kidsa-z.com. That's info at kidsa-z.com. You can follow us on the Blog Talk radio page, and especially you can follow us on Facebook, which is um, Kids A to Z with Dr. T. And that's great. We post a lot of great information up there as well as the show's. So that's it for today. I am Teresa Signorelli, your host. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.